This is Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. Welcome to Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. I'm your host, Melissa Rao, and this podcast is a conversation on the Four Faith Weekly Devotional sent out every Friday. You can find a link in this week's Four Faith and a link to subscribe to Four Faith in this episode's description. Bishop, thank you so much for this week's devotional uh, on siblings. That's what you titled it. And you were reflecting on Genesis 45 verses 1 through 15 where Joseph, of course, was sold into slavery by his jealous brothers, and then, of course, rises in prominence with his, uh, uh, I'm going to start that over, and then, of course, rose to prominence uh, because of his talent and how he served Pharaoh, and you made some really, really great points in this. In fact, I, those listening, I confess to the bishop that it was such a great short and succinct point that he made in the four faith devotional <laughs> that I, it was actually difficult for me to come up with some questions to talk about because it was so poignant. So I'm curious, Bishop, you say the best we have ever done on this planet as a species has been done by those who realized that we are siblings. And I'm curious if you have any insight into some of the examples set forth by people we've known either recently or currently? Sure. Yeah. Well, first of all, I mean, let me just commend the story in Genesis. I think it starts somewhere around uh, uh, chapter 30, I think 37, jumps out and finishes the finishes the book down into 50, uh, and really is how the Hebrew people get into Egypt, uh, which ultimately leads to the exodus, leaving uh, <laughs> Egypt. Um, uh, and all of this really is happens through the conduit of a family's brokenness and then a family's restoration, specifically, you know, uh, siblings, you know, one rises to prominence uh, in the family system. One is the is the fair haired child uh, and uh, and the, and the brothers take action and sell them into slavery. So 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 that's the backdrop for this really important conversation about who God is, what is suffering, and what is really reconciliation. And what I like about it is, is that our day-to-day logic gets defied, right? So we live in a dog-eat-dog, big fish eats the little fish sort of world. Uh, but in, in this story, something happens. There's this moment. I mean, this is a made-for-television uh, movie, HBO, Netflix, Netflix movie, if I ever saw one. Um, um, and so I, would, I, I do think that um, uh, through the course of history, People who have thought in terms of the commonwealth, people who have thought in terms of that we are our, our brother and our sister's keeper, people who do recognize um, that there's no room for hatred, separation, uh, or, uh, or superiority, they have been the best of us, and they have created policies and politics and budgets and programs and institutions uh, which, which have sort of sought to model you know, uh, this holy example that we see in God, that, that all nations and all races are of one blood. And so, yeah, I mean, there, there are any number of examples of, of, of folks. There's all the big names that we know, uh, people who just had a, a dogged determination to make sure that we never forgot that we belong to each other, that our destinies wrapped up with the other and that sort of separation is a terrible, terrible and tragic lie. And that ultimately what affects one affects us all. 
yeah, they're, they're all kinds of, of big names, but but I, I'm, I'm, I'm interested really in inviting more of us other than those uh, uh, what we might call spiritual super athletes, um, more of us to think about, do I live today like every person I meet is my sibling, which is which is which is even further down the road than just simple neighborliness. Because, you know, we can sort of live out neighborliness in a polite fashion. You know, when we used to be in church before the pandemic, I call that the church smile. You know, uh, we give one another the church smile and, and, and feel like we've sort of lived into this notion of neighborliness. But this is more. This is the decisions that I make affect you. This is the policies, uh, the practicalities of the day. They affect you. Uh, and so we've got to try to live as siblings because that's, in fact, the truth from God. That's the truth genetically. And, uh, and if we don't live that way, uh, then we're, I'm afraid we're, we're doomed. What have we learned recently is that we're more connected than we ever dreamed. A little virus in Wuhan uh, can, can touch the entire world and, and uh, debilitate the entire world. We are connected. And so when we behave that way, um, uh, and we decide to problem solve together uh, and realize that no one is beneath a certain line of care, regard, then we, we are our better selves and we fulfill the values and ideals of both our religious traditions as well as our sort of our founding documents in this country. Mm, thank you for that. I, I have a confession to make. I look forward to our weekly conversations, and I'm not sure that our listeners understand that you've kind of given us all permission to think through some of these questions. And so I almost call this a formation hour for myself (laughs) (laughs) because I get to ask you questions that are really I'm wrestling with. and. One of the things that I've been wrestling with is not because, you know, listeners, we don't come up with these predefined questions ahead of time, uh, but these are really kind of my questions or Easton Davis, our producer's questions, just because of the stuff that we want to know. But this is what I've been wrestling with. I've been wrestling with jealousy and the dog eat dog uh, world that we're living in. And I couldn't help but think about what capitalism is and how we relate to capitalism and what capitalism is actually is. And so I always go to Merriam-Webster just to see what the base base definition is. And this is what definition of capitalism is. It says um, it's an economic system characterized by private or corporate ownership of capital goods, by investments that are determined by private decision, and by prices, production, and the distribution of goods that are determined mainly by competition in a free market. And then I thought, gosh, in a competition, there are always winners and losers. And people tend to, like, they defend capitalism with all of their heart, thinking that capitalism and being behind capitalism is some sort of patriotic stance, that to be patriotic, we need to be pro-capitalist. And I can't help but wrestle with the fact that knowing that our very system is set up so that there are losers. And and I'm tying this to the story because the siblings here, gosh, Joseph was so beloved, (laughs) so beloved by his father. And they felt that. And so they made really, really bad decisions based upon that jealousy. And so I'm curious if you have any, I'm wondering if you have any idea 
about competition and sibling rivalry? Um, wow. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a wide ranging question. I think where, <laughs> where I would start first and foremost is let's start uh, close to home. I think what the story does is it in, invite us to maybe interrogate uh, uh, the source of our jealousy, right? Uh, I think in this story, the, the parents were not even handed uh, and, and this gave birth to jealousy among the siblings. So there's number one. But then number two, you know, uh, it's also about how people hold their own self-worth. Uh, the brothers didn't the brothers didn't sort of celebrate themselves and the gifts that they had. Um, and uh, and we understand why, again, the parents were not even handed. But but th- somehow they were not able to see in, in themselves and in their own gifts, worth and dignity and value. Uh, and so, uh, and so that sort of got going. Um, and then they sort of, uh, it's always easier, uh, to externalize those feelings tend than to attend to them, uh, in our own interior life. And so they thought that they would just throw Joseph down a hole because he was the external irritant rather than investigate and interrogate what's interrogate what's going on with me. And so we always have to ask ourselves, why do I feel jealous? What's going on with me? And sometimes we, we recognize that that's because I don't have a good sense of self-worth, value, and dignity. Somehow I don't realize what the Bible says, that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Uh, and so it's just always easy to hate somebody else, right? I mean, this is, this is the sin that's always within arm's reach. So that, that's number one. Uh, number two, I, I guess what I want to say is, is that, you know, uh, I, I don't know that competition is always bad. Uh, I think that competition can be bad when it's about, uh, you know, when winning means I have my 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 uh, my foot on the neck of someone else, right? It it, it means uh, if if I have a vision of winning in my mind where I have to destroy you so that I can feel like winner, that's not terribly civilized. And and I think what we're talking about here, as we think about being siblings and we think about a better economic model or more full and whole economic models, is we're talking about what does it actually mean to win or lose? Uh, you know, gifts are unevenly deposited. That's true in nature, and that's true in individuals. Um, and so I, I think that there are going to be people who flourish and other people who struggle, and that's just the human economy. Um, but I, I think what we've got to ask ourselves is, is that, um, does winning mean that I now have the opportunity uh, and ability to care for an increasingly wider circle of my fellow uh, brothers and sisters. Uh, I, I'm intrigued whenever I see uh, corporate entities these days take up uh, messages of justice uh, and so on. And, and, and I wonder uh, if they aren't, in some cases, uh, a more effective means to making social change. When I think about how the business community, the movie community, and other uh, entities here in the state of Georgia uh, lobbied our lawmakers uh, to not pass uh, laws that would have been hostile to LGBTQ uh, persons in this state uh, in the way that North Carolina uh, did ratify those laws. They made a difference, and those are corporate entities. And so I want to be careful in broad-stroking Lots of people, I think there exists an opportunity, in, even in capitalism, even in our, our present American uh, economic philosophy, for, for those of us who are, quote, winning or being successful by some measures to exert 
uh, leadership on behalf of all of us and to raise the floor height. That, I think, is the better expression. In fact, that's what Joseph does in the story. You see, because at the end of the story, uh, Joseph's brothers are losers, if you want to use that terminology. They're caught up in a famine. They're in profound lack. And Joseph wins. He's got regard. He's got celebrity. He's got wealth. He's got all of it. And how he chooses to live out his, quote, winning, I think is why this story is worthy of rereading and reading again. It's, it's that he chooses at that moment when he is actually one to regard his siblings as beloved uh, and his, his parents as beloved and then turn around and provide for them, move them from famine into feast in Egypt is, I think, instructive for how we can live out you know, our effectiveness, our success in economy. I love that. So in other words, we have a responsibility when we win to regard our siblings. I was really I think, great. I think if winning means, if winning is, you know, the fullest measure of quote winning, and I don't even know if I like those terms, but, the, <laughs> but I would, but since we have that to use, I would say the fullest measure would be because I have an abundance. Now we have. I think this is the Bible, right? This is this is the Bible model. I mean, winning in terms of if we go to the book of Revelation, you know, where, where love wins and truth wins, what do we see? We see people gathered together in a great multitude. We see um, no division. We see, um, we see the truth of the fact that we were always all beloved of God. We see the truth of the fact that we're shoulder to shoulder in that great sort of barbecue that, that is the end of all time. Right where we're all reunited, those who have gone before and those who are here now, and so it's interesting that that God, who has all power, decides to use God's power, God's winning in a particular way, and that is to affirm the fact that we've always, always belonged to one another, always. And when we have not acted that way, we've been out of step with God, and we've broken things. Yeah. Yeah. And, and due to our system or the structure in which we're living, I can't help but feel um, skeptical because many people will say, yes, and capitalism means that anybody can win. And I just, I, I, that's BS to me. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't know that to be true. So, well, we know we know that we know that there are historic barriers to that. That we yeah. know that that there's there are there are legacies uh, of 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 tying some groups of people to the starting blocks while telling other people to, to begin the race. And, and we know that we're still working, working that through. Um, and so, you know, this notion of sibling, I think, uh, even is, is, is a paradigm and a principle for us to think about as we endeavor to talk about inequity and injustice. Um, I, I think if, if we're talking in terms of siblings, then we've got to we've got to ask ourselves not how those Native American people over there are doing, but how are our brothers and sisters over there doing? Many of them who still do not have in 2020 running water, uh, or we've got to ask ourselves how are our siblings doing in the Mississippi Delta right now, um, et, et cetera. So it changes the conversation from those people over there and other. We love to other. We love to unmatter people to now um, they are in fact my sibling. And so that's, that's an inconvenient truth, to borrow a turn of phrase. Uh, it, it's inconvenient, especially because it leads to sharing. 
And 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 this is this is the problem that that this is the thing that God is working on. God knowing us best. God is working on all through Scripture and all these important stories. Isn't it interesting that the thing that Jesus gets in trouble for the most is having a banquet where all kinds of folks are welcome and valued? So so this is again the vision: the tax collector, the harlot, um, the cheat. Um, the impetuous, the fool, the liars um, are all all have a place at the table, um, right alongside you know what we would say is the, the Lord of Lord and King of Kings. They have they have this, and so we have this notion of banquet and great multitude. Um, I, I think what we've got to do is we've got to attach some a sense of urgency. It's easy to get comforted by these stories as you know on that great getting up morning way out in the distance when God intervenes and levels all the levels everything. You know we can take comfort in that and, and sort of it takes the edge off of the work now. But the work is actually now. We can hasten the day if we partner with God in God's vision of sibling. Um, you know, I, I uh, you know, I I used to love to remind people that this new DNA testing uh, that is happening is is going to cause some really prickly conversations for us, especially those of us who take a you know put a lot of stock in uh, being uh, uh, pure or uh, you know having these sort of uh, meticulously maintained sort of bloodlines or whatever. Uh, you know, we're finding out that we're we're actually all related uh, in a scientific uh, in a scientific way. I always like to remind people that our you know the human species' most recent common ancestor is a is an African woman, and so that's news to some people. You know <laughs> that we are all in fact African. Um, you know, I, we did my DNA uh, not too long ago. And though I am an African-American, I also found out that I'm an Irish-American and a German-American. And so when we go down into the truth, and of course, you know, God wrote in our DNA before we wrote our Constitution Declaration of Independence and before we uh, penned the words of the Bible, you know, God wrote this truth of us being siblings in our DNA. And, and, so, and so the question is, are we willing to honor that truth? Or are we going to find sophisticated and clever ways to shield our eyes from the fact that I belong to you and you belong to me? And until we take care of our problems in a fashion that honors that reality, we are doomed. But when we do that, when we find the courage to do that environmentally and economically and in terms of education, et cetera, et cetera, then then we have a shot at a hope in the future. Gosh, Bishop, you should be a preacher. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll I'll give it a try. I'll give it a try. Friends, we'll be right back with Four People after a short break. If you're enjoying Four People with Bishop Rob Wright, we encourage you to subscribe. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Bishop Rob Wright. Welcome back to Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. So Bishop, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering about walls and I'm wondering about the position that walls have in our lives in a, in a paradigm that we're trying to create um, a more sibling union, if you will. Any thoughts on that? Well, sure. I mean, I, I think that um, uh, understanding and working towards a day where we live as siblings, share as siblings, love as siblings, 
um, does not discount, you know, the sad reality that we live in a world that that uh, that needs border security and other kinds of security, uh, where where people uh, choose to do terrible things. Um, and so, I, I think, of course, there's a place um, for security, uh, even as we are endeavoring to be to be siblings. For instance, we talk a lot about with our, our border with uh, uh, with Mexico. Um, well, a sibling way to approach that might be to secure our border, but to to grant uh, people work visas and to work uh, our two governments together, the United States and Mexico, to talk about uh, some of the burdens and the hardships that people are fleeing from and to and take seriously uh, how we might intervene uh, so that we can uh, uh, prop both countries up. Uh, and take stigma away as as people try to simply uh, flee from violence and danger and at the same time find meaningful work and to feed their families. We might figure out a way how to handle that issue, securing the border, but attending to brothers and sisters in a way that does not uh, uh, relegate them uh, to uh, an inferior class of people or, or broad stroke them as, as, as all criminals. There are, I think there is a, a way to seriously uh, work on uh, and craft policy and economic policy, uh, especially uh, that, that takes into account uh, that folks are in fact, that we are in fact um, uh, two nations uh, who need each other uh, to prosper into the future. So I, I think it is possible but I, I think when we, we simply use this issue uh, as, as red meat for one side or the other, we, we miss the mark tragically. I mean, in our Bible story, Joseph could have, could have finger wagged and could have said he's going to build up a, a, a wall between um, you know, his family and their famine uh, and his prosperity uh, in Egypt. But he chooses not to do that. He chooses, chooses to use... Um, his bright mind uh, and his resolve to uh, problem solve creatively uh, rather than just sort of uh, block out uh, the legitimacy of, of the issue of the people who are starving on the other side of his world. And I, I think we can do that. And I, and I would say also, lastly, that uh, I do believe our country is great and has been great and can be great. Uh, and I think greatness demands that we uh, figure out how to solve problems uh, where we remember that we are, in fact, interrelated. Great. Well, so basically you just said that Joseph himself was a bridge builder. Um, and you planted that seed in my head, but I'm wondering if you have any final thoughts for our listeners. Yeah, I, I, think, I, I think that, um, you know, understanding the sibling notion deeply, getting it down into our core personally, and then institutionally, and then as that spreads out into the world, is our only hope and future. Uh, bridges and interdependence is our future. Otherwise, they'll never be able. We'll never be able to build a wall high enough or a gate strong enough. We'll have these little oases of haves surrounded by an ocean of have-nots, and and that is not the dream that God has for us. The dream that God has for us is a multitude of sharing, it is a banquet set for lots of kinds of folks. And when we do that, in small and large ways, we honor God. And when we don't, we frustrate grace. 
Thank you, Bishop. And thank you for listening to Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. You can keep up with us on Instagram and Facebook at Bishop Rob Wright. Please subscribe, leave a review, and we'll be back with you next week.